Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Ruth chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Somebody say there was a famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Amen. First point I want to make before we even get into the message. You're not alone in this life. There are people hanging on you. Amen. There are people connected to you that you influence. Amen. That are affected by your decision making. Got quiet on me. I got one amen back here, but he's an elder. It's his duty. (laughs) Somebody say, my decision making affects other people. And the name of... You know, selfish people don't care how their decisions affect other people. It's all about them. But responsible people understand my decisions affect everybody around me. You know why I'm still in the church? Well, God's mercy. My wife and children. You know why I try to live holy and righteous and make right decisions? My wife and children. Amen. I understand that there are people hanging on me that are going to be affected by my decisions. Somebody say amen. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. (laughs) Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. The Ephrathite name is uh, the old name, ancient name for Bethlehem, which means house of bread. So there's a famine in the house of bread. Okay? And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. You notice that the book is named Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Somebody say, then. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah verses 8 through 15 It is Naomi trying to convince her daughter-in-laws to stay in Moab, to go back to their families, to stay where they were at. Orpah, uh, which was married to Chilion, what a cool name. I wonder if he likes chili. You know you were thinking it too. Orpah decides she's going to go back to her family. She loved Naomi, but she's going back to her family. But Ruth makes a vow to Naomi and says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God shall be my God. Amen. She makes a statement, a vow to Naomi that she's going to leave everything of Moab all of the gods of Moab, her family, everything that she's familiar with, and she's going to cleave unto Naomi. 
When, when thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. When she saw that she had made up her mind, amen, that she was going to stay with Naomi, she quit trying to convince her to go back to her family. Amen. I, I want to preach to you this morning uh, on this subject, the great turnaround. The great turnaround. Why don't we lay our Bibles down, lift our hands to the Lord, and just ask him to speak to us one moment. I know you've been standing a while. Just ask the Lord to speak to you today. Come on, lift your voices. Amen. We believe in prayer. We believe in voicing our concerns. We believe in voicing what we need. Come on, let your, lift your voice unto the Lord today. What, what do you need God to do for your family? What do you need him to do for you individually? Let him know. Let him feel your heart, whether it's just a whisper or a loud prayer. Go ahead. Take your liberty right now. God, we need you in this house this morning. We've come here for you today. We didn't come today because we have it all together and we have it all worked out and we got everything figured out in our lives. We've come today for direction. We've come today because we need you to speak to us. We need you to heal us in some areas of our life, God. We need, well, we need your voice, Lord, to lead us and guide us through these dark days, these hard moments, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would cause us to see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear, understand what we need to understand in order to receive from your spirit today. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. The, the, the story of Ruth is, is a great story. If you haven't ever read the whole story of Ruth, uh, I, uh, I ask you, advise you to go back and read it. Do, do yourself a favor and, and read this story uh, to see uh, the goodness of God. I'm going to do my best today to hit on some certain parts of th this story. To, I believe in, in an area the Lord wants to minister today, um, but I, I'm not going. I'm not going to read the whole story. So, uh, if you can go back and read the story, um, uh, it'll bless you. Uh, in Jesus' name, um, Elimelech was an Israelite living in. The Bible tells us very specifically that he was living in Bethlehem, Judah. And they were considered Ephrathites. They were, they were born in Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, they were born there, and they called the people that were born there from, from ancient days that lived there. Their family ancestry took them back uh, to early days that they, were, uh, they, they had always been a part of Bethlehem, Judah. And the word Ephrathites means, uh, means house of bread. Amen. It was a place that was blessed of the Lord. Amen. It was a place that, that produced uh, many of the prophetic words that were spoken by the prophets in, in, in about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. How many know it was, it was a prophetically spoken that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? Somebody say amen. How many know David was from Bethlehem? Amen. And so the line of the king was, was founded in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Amen. Uh, the, when you think about the house of bread, you're thinking about uh, provision. You think about um, always having enough. Uh, uh, I think about Jesus Christ, the, the bread of life, that, that if you eat thereof, that you won't hunger after the things of the world. I mean, amen. It's a, it's a fulfilling bread that he offers us that if we partake of, it will satisfy us on the inside. Amen. Bethlehem was a place of blessing. Somebody say amen. It was a place that, uh, that finds its roots in the prophetic. Amen. Uh, the hand of the Lord was on Bethlehem. Uh, but the Bible tells us that in the day and time that Elimelech was living, that there was a famine in the land. Amen. And we understand that a famine is, uh, is a, a season or a time or a space of time where they have a lack of rain. Amen. Anytime there's a lack of rain, like we're Amen. Uh, 
anytime there's a prolonged lack of rain or moisture uh, to water the ground and to water the crops, it produces a lack right? It produces a lack of production. And so they don't have uh, the amount of food that they need. They don't have the amount of provision that they want. Amen. And, and at times in the in times of famine, they have to resort to lower levels of living in order to make it through the time of famine. Amen. Times of famine happen. Amen. They happen in the world. Some people think that famine is always the judgment of God, but famine is not always the judgment of God. There are, there are certain seasons of time where we just have a lack of rain. Come on, somebody. Amen. Sometimes famines are necessary for us to get positioned where we need to be. Come on. Sometimes famines uh, are necessary for us uh, to get our roots to go deeper where we're at. Come on, somebody. Amen. If we have everything we need on the surface of where we're at, we'll never produce the depth of relationship, of spirituality with God that we need to survive. And so there are moments of dryness, dry spells that force us to dig a little bit deeper. And I got to tell you right now, now that it doesn't feel good when you're in a dry spell. It doesn't feel good when you don't have the sufficiency of what you think that you need. It doesn't feel good when you don't have the ability yourself to provide for yourself in the area that you need provision. It doesn't feel good to have to put your faith and confidence and trust in an almighty God. Amen. Because in the moment of famine, you got to dig deep and you got to rely on something great than yourself. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're in a famine, hold on to the Lord. There's nothing that this world has to offer that's better than what God has given you. Hold on to God. He's got something better. He's got something great for your future. Man, I feel the Lord. Hey man, there was a uh, a couple of the years ago, I was driving up Beatty Avenue going toward Clark Street. And right on the corner of where Beatty Avenue reaches Clark Street, uh, there's, a, there's a daycare and stuff right there on the left-hand side. And I pulled up to Clark Street. And on my right-hand side, there was a monstrous tree. I'm talking this tree. Uh, it was huge. And it had been blown over by the wind. And I got to looking at it, and I noticed that all of its roots were on the surface. All of its roots were spread out along, and it covered an area probably from, from this door to where about where Hannah and Ashlyn are sitting right here, and it just ripped up the whole ground right there. All of its roots were spread out all around there uh, on the surface. There wasn't any roots that went deeper than a couple of feet deep. And that tells me that everything that tree needed to grow was always provided for them. It was always given to, to that tree. It was right on the surface. It didn't have to work for it. It didn't have to dig a little bit deeper. But there was a moment in time when the wind blew from the right direction or the wrong direction, caught a hold of the limbs of that tree, and it didn't have the root system that was necessary to produce strength and stability to fight against the wind that was blowing, and it uprooted it. And the Bible says where a tree falls, there shall it lie. I want to tell you, we need some hard times. We need some struggles. We need some dry spells in our world to cause us to dig in the word of God, to dig in prayer, to dig so our roots will go a little bit deeper, to get a little bit desperate for what God has for us. I know it's not popular. Amen. We want everything handed to us. And whenever we get a little bit of a struggle, we get Cranky. Hey Amen. How many's ever been without a job? Hey Amen. Uh, how many's ever had sickness in your body? Hey Amen. You've had trouble come. Amen. Things happen. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen. How many know dry spells are going to come? If you're in the middle of a famine, you feel like that you don't have what you need spiritually. You feel like that you don't have what you... A lot of times, uh, the, the circumstances in our natural life will begin to be affected so that we'll begin to reach for God in our spiritual life. Amen. Sometimes the Lord will allow things to happen in our lives so that we'll depend upon Him 
so that we'll realize that, that, that our job is not our source, that our wife and our children are not our source. Come on, that the things around us that the world has to offer is not our source, but God is our source. I don't know about you, but God is my source. FedEx might give me a paycheck, but what I need don't come from them. It comes from God. Be careful putting your faith and your hope in things other than the Lord. Because he's a jealous God. <laughs> Amen. And he'll have no other gods before him. Come on, somebody. And when we begin to lean on things that aren't God too much... Sometimes they get knocked out from, up, from under us so that we'll realize how much that we need him. Why? Be, because they're, they're temporary things. They're, they're, they're things that can change. They're things that can be affected. If we're leaning on our health to get us through, you better be careful. If you're leaning on your money and your high-paying job to get you through, you better be careful. You better sow something into the kingdom of God and into the word of God. Because when all of that fails, there's only going to be one thing left, and that's the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. And so there was a famine in the land. Elimelech got tired of struggling. And he said, you know what? I hear they're doing pretty good over in Moab. Let's just go over there for a little while. sojourn his plan was to sojourn sojourn means to dwell temporarily I'm just going to do this for a minute right? just for a little bit I'm going to go over to Moab and, and get what I need because I'm not finding what I need in the house of bread amen it was his plan to dwell in Moab for a short amount of time but it doesn't say that God told Elimelech. Come on. It doesn't say that God said go. It doesn't say that he got a word from the Lord to, to go to Moab and get what he needed. Because there are times where God gives an order or a directive. He told, uh, he told Joseph to take Jesus and, and Mary and go into Egypt, right? Because there was somebody that sought Jesus' life. Amen. And, and so they went to Egypt for a short amount of time. But understand that, that, that if God don't give the directive and you're just operating according to your own mind and your own intellect and your own will, you're just doing what you think is necessary in order to meet the need. You're about to make a big decision. Come on. You're about to step into a time of life where you don't have a whole lot of time to remedy the condition. Amen. Elimelech stepped out in his own uh, directive and went into a place that God did not tell him to go and it cost him his life. I just want to tell you right now, he made a plan to get out of the house of bread because he wasn't getting what he thought he needed in the moments of dryness, in the moments of famine. The church wasn't providing it. The people of God wasn't providing it. He didn't have enough money. He didn't have enough happiness. And he thought, you know what? There's a place in Moab where they're doing well, where the ground is fertile, where they're producing a high level of, of, of goods and commodities. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to make me some money and I'm going to come back. But I want to tell you that there was a plan. God had a different plan. And then when he stepped out of God's plan and into his own plan, he got into a danger zone. I want to tell you today, just because you think the church is not producing what you need or you're not getting what you need in this moment, don't you dare step out of the house of God and go back where you came from. Don't you dare. Your life depends on it. 
Man, I feel it in the Holy Ghost today. There might be a thought process in your mind where you're thinking there's something better or they have what I need over here. I'm going to step out of the house of bread because it don't seem to meet the need of my necessities. But I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost today, you stay put. You dig in prayer. You dig in the Word of God. You adjust your life to fit the will of God and He'll make the provision that you need. He'll do what you need in the moments of dryness. Amen. He'll meet the need. Elimelech played, paid the price with his life. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. I don't know what's going on in your world. But God has given me direction in the Holy Ghost to tell you just because you're in a dry spot doesn't mean he's not going to provide for you. Just because maybe the job's not doing it. The relationships aren't doing it. Some of us might be contemplating divorce because the marriage just ain't doing it anymore. I want to tell you, you need to stay where you're at. Dig your roots a little bit deeper and God will meet the need. My goodness. He'll meet the need. Elbow your neighbor and tell him he'll meet the need. Amen. If you're in the center of his will, if his finger has put, placed you there, if his finger has pointed you there, he will meet the need. If he has directed you to be there and you're in the center of God's will, he'll meet the need. It might not be exactly what you want it to be or what you thought it would be, but understand today, God will meet the need because where the finger of God points, the hand of God will always provide. He'll always make a way where there seems to be no no way. I feel like preaching. Amen. Elimelech. I believe Elimelech got out of the will of God. He died in Moab. Matt taught us on Thursday night where the Moabites came from. They came from an incestuous relationship with Lot and his daughters, one of his daughters, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And if you read through Old Testament scripture, you'll find where the Moabites and the Ammonites were a thorn in the Israelites' side. Amen. They were always causing an issue. Come on. They were always there. They, they, were, uh, they, 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 they were born out of an illegitimate relationship where someone in the Israelite genealogy got out of the will of God and produced something that was not the will of God. And Elimelech decided in a dry moment that he was going to tie himself to a people and a land that didn't worship Jehovah, that worshiped false gods, that worshiped gods that were not Jehovah. Amen. And, and, and it was against the, the, the laws of God for, for them to go into marriage with Moabites unless the laws were met in the law of God. Amen. There had to be some things that happened in the law of God before they could intermarry with the Moabites and the Ammonites. But Elimelech took his family to Moab. Amen. And Elimelech paid for it with his life. He died in, in Moab. See, he thought he was going to avoid death. He was going to avoid failure by leaving Egypt or Israel, by leaving his home, by leaving Bethlehem. But in fact, it worked out the opposite because our ways are not his ways. Come on, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Like the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Amen. How many knows he sees from a heavenly perspective? He sees what we can't see, knows what we don't know. Amen. He declares the ending from the beginning. And if he placed you there, he sees it from the ending. He sees it from the end result. As, as we're in the middle of our dry spell, I can't get away from this. As we're in the middle of a famine, in the middle of our dry spell, we're trying to see our way clear 
of the circumstances that we're in. We're trying to look our way past them. We're trying to see beyond it. How many know we can't sometimes see beyond what we're in? We can't see beyond our circumstance or our lack of or what we, man, I'm preaching to somebody today. We can't see beyond where we're at. That's why it's imperative. It's necessary to depend on the will and the voice of God in your life because he sees it from the ending. And if he hasn't told you to move, you better stay where you're at. Stay where you're at. There's bread where you're at. Somebody say there's bread. Wow. Stay in the church. Elbow, elbow your neighbor and tell him, stay in the church. Amen. There's life here. There's life in the church. Come on. Everything you need, God is your source. Your healing that you need, it's in the church. That, that fulfillment that you're looking for, that satisfaction on the inside that you're longing for, it's not in the drugs. It's not in the alcohol. It's not in sex. Come on. It's not in the things that you desire in your flesh. It's in your spirit. It's in the church. It's in God as your source. Amen. Somebody say amen. Man, I've been preaching for 20 minutes already. Elimelech made up his mind. He's gone. And he paid for it. We are one decision away from catastrophe. Amen. Every decision matters. Amen. There are people under the sound of my voice right now that are weighing decisions that are eternal. Amen. We're weighing them out, but but you're 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 dwelling in a circumstance right now that that decision to leave what where God has placed you is going to be the end. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the word of the Lord for today. Dig your heels in. Get your roots going. You need to dig it in prayer. Do some prayer and fasting. Come on. Do some self-sacrifice. Lay yourself on the altar of God. If you need a change in your world, you need to change. God won't change your circumstance until he can change you and get you figured out. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we want God to give us an overflow in our life to make up for the deficiencies that are on the inside of us. Come on, but God's not going to give you an overflow in your life to make up for the disobedience and the deficiencies in your life. What he's expecting is for you to get in line with his word, get uh, sell out to him, get your heart right with him, put your trust and your hope in him, and he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Praise God. Elimelech left. Somebody say he left. He made the decision. He took with him Naomi and his sons. Went into a land where uh, they're worshiping false gods. They're doing things that are ungodly. Their lifestyles uh, are, 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 are absolutely contrary to, to the law of God and to the way that the, the, the boys were brought up. Amen. And so he takes him and his family into a land that's contrary to God's word. Yeah, they might have had the natural resources. Amen. But there's more to this life than what we have in the natural. Let me say amen. And so not only did Elimelech die, but his two sons died. Amen. His two sons uh, were fell prey to, I would say, the blame goes back to Elimelech. And I could preach this message on Father's Day and say, Dads, it's your responsibility, right? It's your responsibility to your children to be leading in the right direction. Amen. Naomi is in, now in the land of Moab. The two sons had taken wives of Moab. They had married into the culture. The two sons die. And now Naomi's left with just her two daughter-in-laws. And... After all of this happens in her life, she makes up her mind 
I'm going back. I'm going to go back to my home. I'm going to go back to the house of bread. Amen. I, we stepped out of here in Moab. It was just supposed to be a short time, but the short time that we've been here, uh, it has devastated my life. It has devastated my, my, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my sons. All I have left is their wives. Amen. All I have left is the wives that my sons married. Amen. I, she, she, she's leaving Moab with seemingly nothing. She comes back to Bethlehem, Judah. She makes up her mind. I'm going home. Somebody say, I'm going home. She made up her mind she's going to return. She's going to go back to where it was purpose for her to be in the first place. Right? Say, I'm going back. Somebody say that. I'm going back. Let me know the prodigal son He's living in the Father's house. He's living in provision, protection. He's living in a place of security and safety. Amen. He made up his mind. Father, I want you to give me my inheritance, that which is mine, that which belongs to me or falls to me, and I'm going to make my own way. He made a decision. He's going to get up and he's going to leave the Father's house. Amen. He's going to go on his own way and get what he thought that he was needing. If he, if he thought he had everything that he needed in the Father's house, he never would have left. Somebody say amen. If he thought he had everything he needed there, he wouldn't have decided to leave and to go searching for something that he didn't need in the first place. Amen. The Bible says that he went his way and he began to spend all of his living, all of his, his, his money, everything that he had, all of his substance on riotous living. Somebody say riotous living. When you hear that word, what do you, what do you think of? Riotous, riotous living, careless, right? Right, just not, not, not even, uh, no, no awareness of what you're spending, no awareness of, of a budget, no awareness. You're just doing whatever you feel to do. You're carefree, right? You're just going about where you want to go, doing what you want to do. No, no, no worry about your future. No worry about living in the future. Come on. When you live in a riotous way, you're living in a careless way without any awareness or safety for your future. You're not operating according to discipline or according to the word of God. You're operating opposite of that. You're operating in what you feel, what I want, what, what I desire, whatever my hunger or my appetite desires for. That's what I'm going to go after. Amen. How many know that lives are destroyed by riotous living? Souls are destroyed by riotous living. Families are destroyed by riotous living. Families and children are destroyed by riotous living. Marriages are destroyed by riotous living. Amen. This, this kind of preaching is not popular, but this kind of preaching will save your soul. Amen. You need to stay connected to people that are living disciplined lives according to God word, doing what they need. Amen. How many know that our country is in trouble because of riotous living? Riotous spending. That credit card you get in the mail, that's not free. Right? How many found out the hard way? Come on, be honest. Amen. You get the credit card and, and you think, uh, well, I'm just going to buy this and that and I'll pay it back later. This and that turns into a pile of debt that you can't pay back, right? You've dug a hole that you can't get yourself out of. Come on. Amen. It'll leave you in a deficit. 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 I'm, dis I'm dyslexic. Not, even, not when I'm reading, but when I'm talking too. Amen. It'll leave you in a deficit. 
It'll leave you in a hole that you seemingly can't climb out of. Amen. You're spending and spending and spending without any regard for how much you have. And, and this guy, he took everything that was given him, all of his inheritance, he just spent it every way he wanted to. He, he, he got to a place where he had nothing left. I want to tell you, if you're spending without saving anything, there's going to come a time where it's going to run out. Whether you're talking about money, you're talking about mercy, you're talking about forgiveness. If you're spending like that, like there's plenty of it left over, there's just going to be plenty for my future. It's never going to run out. I want to tell you, there's going to come a day where the end of the line's going to come. You're going to wake up one day and realize that you're in a hole that you can't get out of yourself. You're in debt. You're in a deficit that you can't get out of. All because you made a choice to step out from underneath instruction and correction. I want to tell you, you need somebody to preach to you and tell you that sin, stay away from it. You need somebody to stand in the pulpit and preach hard and talk about the truths of God's word. We all need it. Amen. I'm thankful I got a pastor in my life that I can take thanks to him and he'll say, no, that's not the will of God. Stay away from it. Amen. This guy found himself in a place he never thought he would end up in. I mean, no, it wasn't in his plan. It's never in anybody's plan to end up in the bottom. Right in the pit. In bondage. It's never anybody's plan to end up in jail. I mean, be honest. It's, it's not your plan to, to, to end up in a place where you don't have anything of value. Come on. When you get married, it's not your plan to end up in divorce. Somebody say amen. It's not your plan. It's just you don't think of those things. But when you live a life that is, is spending all the time and you're never putting anything in the bank, it's going to run empty. He woke up one day and he was at the bottom. He didn't have anything left. All of his substance was gone. He had nowhere to turn. His decision led him away from the Father. And now he finds this place. Everything of value is gone in his life. He looks around him and, and it's, it's pretty empty. And he joins himself of a citizen of that country. I mean, no, he went to a country that wasn't Egypt or wasn't Israel. Why do I keep saying Egypt? It wasn't the land that he was purposed to live in. Come on. It wasn't Mount Zion. It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't the city of God. It wasn't the place that God had purposed for his life. He joined himself to a citizen of that other country. How many know citizenship of other countries is different? And he began to do things he never thought he would do. Just in order to survive. Man, it's quiet. Just in order to get from day to day. The Bible says that he was down in the hog pen feeding the hogs. Jews were they, they, they were not they were forbidden to eat pigs okay they were considered to be unclean it was an unclean uh, meat if you've ever if you've ever kept pigs <laughs> you know why hey man they're just unclean I mean they're wow there ain't nothing like a big slab of bacon But there, he's down with the pigs, and his job was to feed the pigs. He's not allowed to eat pigs, but he's working with pigs. Come on. He's living on a level. I, I say it speaks that he's living on a level so far lower than where he was born to live. I mean, no, he had an inheritance with the Father. If you're breathing... If you have breath in your lungs, God's got a plan for your life. He's got an eternal plan, an eternal inheritance, something that you can't buy with money. 
Amen. This guy left the father. He's living in a place that he never thought he would live, well below the, 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 the purpose or the plan that was set forth by the father. Amen. He's down with the pigs, feeding the pigs. He's so hungry that he's going to eat what the pigs are eating. He's feeding the pigs, and now he's going to get down there with the pigs and eat what the pigs are eating. How many know what pigs eat? the leftovers, right? They, they eat the, the slop, they call it. They, they eat everything mixed together. I mean, uh, anything left from the, the, the scraps that you didn't want, the rinds, uh, bones. I mean, pigs will eat anything, won't they? And you throw stuff out there, you come back, it'll all be gone. It don't matter what it is. Amen. They'll mix it in with their own... They'll eat anything. They're eating the leftovers. They're eating stuff that wasn't meant for humans. Come on. They're eating things that weren't meant for, for, for respected humans. They're eating things. And this guy is down now. I can see him getting down on his knees and saying, I'm so hungry, I'm going to get down here with the pigs. But there's something on the inside of him that alerted him. The Bible says that he came to himself. He realized the place that he was living was not the place he was purposed to live. When he got down there with the pigs, he was not comfortable with the pigs. He was not comfortable doing what he was doing. There's a reason you want out of where you're at. There's a reason you're in the church this morning. There's a reason you're not comfortable living the way you're living, doing what you're doing. It's because God's purpose is on your life. He don't want you to degrade yourself and dehumanize yourself and doing things that the devil has put in your life to destroy you. He wants you to have a realization this morning, a revelation where your mind and heart open up to the possibility that God's got a plan for my life that there's greater for my life there's greater for my future than where I'm living right now I might be down with the pigs but I'm getting up I'm going back to the father I refuse I'm returning back to the call of God in my life I will not debase myself not one more day amen lift your hands to the Lord right now and call upon his name oh God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm. He made a turnaround. Amen. He had come to a point in his life where he had no place else to go. How many know sometimes we wait till we're at the bottom before we look up? Amen. He had no place else to go. But he, he realized my father wouldn't want this for me. He got up and he started back toward the father's house. He'd gone a long way in the wrong direction. Man, sometimes the road back is not as quick as we want it to be. It doesn't matter where you're at this morning. You need to turn around. Come on. It doesn't matter how far away you think you've gotten. There needs to be a turnaround. There, there needs to be a, a point in time where you say, okay, all right, I've gone as far that direction as I'm going to go. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to start making some things right. Come on. I'm going to start heading back toward the Father. I'm going to move towards Him. He's walking back toward the Father, and he starts contemplating. He's like, he's like, uh, where, uh, you know, I don't know how. Have you ever done something wrong when you were a kid? And you want to make it right with your parents? And you you tr you walk it through your mind of how you're going to do that, and and you and you try to imagine their response. Okay, after I say this, I'm going to duck. Right? You try to imagine how what the response is going to be. You know what? Uh, how are they going to react to my nonsense? 
of the decisions that I've made? How are they going to react to me coming clean? And so he's walking down the road and he's rehearsing, you know, well, you know, even the servants in my father's house have more, you know. And that, that tells me that he's, he's rehearsing in his mind. How's the father going to react to me? What's he going to do to me? Is he going to make me a servant? Is he going to force me to, to live away? Uh, I know he loves me, you know, but the, with the decisions that I've made, maybe I can't be trusted uh, anymore. And, and so even, but even the servants in my father's house have more, more than enough. They have more than enough to spare. Amen. And as he's, as he's contemplating how the father is going to receive him when he steps back on his property and back into his house, he hears a voice. Yelling his name. And he looks up and on the horizon he sees somebody running towards him. First, you you know, when, when you've done a lot of things wrong, you should see somebody running towards you. You're going to run from them, right? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe he got the wanted poster. <laughs> I got a couple laughs, but everybody should have laughed. Amen. But he looks, and as it gets closer, it's the father. It's his dad running towards him. Amen. Because my Bible tells me that while he was still a great way off, he was still so far that he probably couldn't see uh, the Father, but the Father could see him. Amen. Because how many know God sees from a different perspective than we see? Amen. And when the turnaround was made, how many know the father started running towards him, knowing that he's coming back to where he belongs? The response from God is going to be mercy. He loves you. He never left, lost your place. He's got a place for you in the kingdom of God. He come running to him. Wrapped his arms around him. Embraced him. Amen. Have you ever had somebody hug you and you didn't feel like you deserved to be hugged? You know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for my decision. Probably apologizing already. Embracing him. Amen. And no doubt the son. Amen. As the father hugs him and kisses him on the neck. And he brought something with him. He brought a robe. A fresh robe. fresh robe, put shoes on his feet, ring on his hand. You know what the ring represented? Authority. It's the family name. Amen. That's the family stamp. Whenever they, they would send out a message, you know how they, they put the wax on it to seal it and they'd and stamp it with their ring. That means I have the authority to seal this letter and to send this letter. I have the authority of my father. Amen. The moment that he turned around, the thoughts that God had toward him and that had always had for him were still intact. God didn't change his plan because the son left. He didn't change his plan because of the heartache he went through or the place where he got down with the pigs, ate what the pigs were eating, had thoughts he shouldn't have had, did things he shouldn't have done. The plan did not change. The moment that he stepped back inside the father's care, he clothed him. He covered up his past with a new robe. He put shoes on his 
his feet uh, and he put the ring on his finger and he said, it's as if that you never left. In fact, we got a celebration prepared. We have a party ready. We're going to kill that fatted calf. That calf's been in the stall waiting for you to return. That is your calf. That is your party. That is your sustenance. And we're going to do it in your honor. I want to tell you today that the father has not left his plan and your inheritance hasn't changed because of that you left. God is making provision for your future and he's going to turn it around for your good. Somebody clap your hands if you believe that. to Ruth. <laughs> I'm almost done. Man, I've been preaching a long time. Is everybody okay? Naomi comes back to, to Israel. And uh, everybody starts talking. You need to read this story. It's great. There's so much in it. Um, all the people of the city, Bethlehem, Judah, start, start talking because they're saying, is, is that Naomi? Is Naomi back? That's Naomi. She's she's back. Amen. I believe we're going to have conversions, Brother Terry, where people are going to be like, is that is that so-and-so? Come on. I never thought that they'd be back in the church. Come on. I never thought that they'd be back in the camp. I never thought they'd be in the altar praying again. I never thought that they'd be back in the worship team. I never thought that they'd be back behind the pulpit preaching. I never thought. I never thought. Is, is that Naomi? Is, that, is it possible that she made it back from Moab? Amen. Amen. She brought something with her. She brought Ruth. The Bible says that that Ruth, the one that had vowed her life to Naomi, that your God's going to be my God. Your people's going to be my people. And where you are, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to leave your side. Naomi told her, go out in the, in the field and glean from the field. And so um, she goes out and she ends up gleaning in the field of Boaz. Okay, uh, Boaz um, is a very wealthy man. He's uh, um, he's a very prominent guy. He's got he's very respected. You know, I mean, he's um, he's got a lot of property. He's got a lot of clout. <laughs> a lot of pull. She don't know whose field she's gleaning in. Amen. All that she knows is she's hungry. Right? She don't even realize whose field she's gleaning in. When they would glean in a field, when they would harvest the fields, they would, they would, they would harvest everything but the corners of the field. Okay? They would leave the corners of the field for the widows and for the people that didn't have property for themselves. They could come into the corners of the field. It was an act of mercy for people that didn't have food. So they could come into the corner of the field and get what they needed. They would just take from the corner of the field. They would go back and process it themselves, and they'd have bread to eat. They would have food. Uh, it was like the, the corners of the field were left for their harvest. That was, that was what was uh, given them. They, 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 they'd suffered hard times, but the, the people of the land wouldn't, clean, uh, wouldn't harvest the corners for them. They could come and, and glean. And so as, as Ruth is gleaning in the field, Boaz notices her. Okay? Some of us, we don't realize whose field we're in. You, you don't realize the power of the person whose field you're gleaning in. Amen. Every one of us today have come to probably get something that we know that we need. We may not even know what we need. We just know we need something more than what we have. We've come to the church in hopes that we're going to get what we need. We don't even know the God of the field. We don't know the guy that owns the field. All that we know is there's some stuff in the corner of the field that God's going to meet my needs. And so as she began to glean in the field, stepped into his field, immediately Boaz notices her in the field. Amen. 
Boaz notices Ruth in the field, but Ruth don't even know who Boaz is. Amen. How many know that when you step into God's field, he knows who you are? Come on. He'll start inquiring about you and figuring out how he can bless you and try to get to know you better. Amen. He starts asking the reapers, how long she been here? Well, what's she doing here? Is she, uh, where's she from? Well, she come back with, with Naomi. Uh, she come back to, to, uh, to, to live with Naomi, and she's come to glean for her and Naomi. Well, Boaz knows Naomi. And so he starts talking to Ruth. He goes out and he says, uh, actually, at first he dealt with Ruth through the gleaners or the, the harvesters, right? He started talking to Ruth through the people that were harvesting the field, the people that were close to, 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 to Ruth. Amen. It seemed like that he was afar off. It seemed like he was he was distant, but he wasn't. He was he wasn't communicating directly to Ruth. He was communicating through the harvesters to her. And he said, "I want you to tell her to, that she can glean not only of the uh, of the corners of the field, but she can glean from the sheaves. She can glean from the th stuff that we're harvesting because I have a I have a purpose for her. I feel like that that she's got a great purpose upon her life." And he told them, "You need to start leaving handfuls of purpose." He called them hand handfuls of, of corn, handfuls of grain for her, big, big piles of, of grain as she's gleaning in the field. Just leave it for Ruth. Amen. Just how many know that that is, that is Boaz beckoning to her. Amen. That's Boaz pulling on her and letting her know that everything that she needs is in that field, that the field that she's in is the right field. The field that she's in is exactly where that she needs to be. Amen. It might not be exactly what she wants. It might not be as much as she thought. Come on, somebody. But when you're coming from nothing, your expectations are low. But he wanted her to know that you're in the right field. You're in the field of, of Boaz. You're in the field of someone that has their eye on you. And I want to tell you this morning, if you stepped into this field, that God has given me a word to tell you that your life is not a waste and you feel like that you're just getting enough to get by. But the purpose that's on your life is greater than where you're living right now. It's greater than what you're experiencing in your life right now. God has a purpose. You don't even know the man that owns the field. You don't know the power of the man that owns the field, but he is in process of creating something that's bigger than you could ever imagine. Amen. Without Ruth even knowing, Boaz went to work. The field that she was gleaning in was supposed to be hers. It was already hers, but she didn't know it yet. She didn't know that the field that she was in was hers. I'll explain it to you. There's something that they call... Uh, the goel in, in, the, in the Hebrew or uh, the kinsman, the nearest kinsman law. It's a nearest kinsman law, they call it. So if you're married to, to somebody in Israel that has an inheritance, then the next to kin is able to marry you if you're a woman. Since her husband died, the next to kin had the right to marry her to try to bring forth seed where she could have a child and also to give her the inheritance that fell from her husband. Okay. So, so he, her husband died in Moab, leaving his inheritance. Okay. And it left Naomi and Ruth without an inheritance seemingly. Right. But Boaz began to go to work to bring back the inheritance that was supposed to be hers in the first place. Amen. He went to the nearest kinsman and he said, okay, I want to make a deal with you. All right. I'm going to buy this field off of you. Amen. And when I buy that field, my purpose for buying the field off of you is to marry Ruth so that I can bring, uh, I can return her to the inheritance that she was supposed to have when her son, her husband Malon died. Right. And so 
Boaz went to work and he went through the law and all of the aspects of the law to get it exactly right. How many know that when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law, right? He fulfilled the plan and the purpose to return the inheritance to us that we were always supposed to have, but we didn't know we were supposed to have. Ruth was gleaning in the field that was, that was supposed to be hers, but the only way it could be hers is if Boaz purchased the field and married her. Come on, somebody. The only way God could restore is he had to come in the form of flesh, take on the form of a man, be, be made in the likeness of men, die on the cross, pay the price for your field so that he could return to you the inheritance that you were always supposed to have. You didn't know you were supposed to have it, but he's already paid the price for it. Amen. She's gleaning from a field that she has an inheritance in, and she don't even know it. Wow, that's powerful. That is, that is powerful. She is living and living off of a land that she really owns, but she don't even know it yet. But it's through Boaz. Purchases the field, pays the price, does it according to the law. How many know Jesus fulfilled the law? Why did he do it according to the law? So it could be right. Amen. So that he could legally give you what he always pur purposed for you to have. Amen. When, when, when they left Israel, you can stand with me all around the building. When they left Israel, Limelech died, Malon died, Chilion died. They thought they had lost everything. That, the, the, that They thought the plan and their purpose for their life was over. They thought that uh, they, would, they would never have a future again, that the whole rest of their life would be marked with uh, gleaning from the corners of the field and not really having enough for their future. But when Boaz went to work, come on, somebody. When Boaz saw her afar off, he started making provisions to give her what she never thought that she could ever have. You came here this morning, maybe not realizing that there is an eternal inheritance that God has purposed for you to have. There is a place that he has for you, prepared for you. Amen. The moment that he saw you step into his field, <laughs> he's making provision for your future. Come on, somebody. How many know that when God sees you afar off, he knows what you need? Amen. You might have come this morning with, 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 with low expectation. Amen. With uh, not really expecting a whole lot. Ruth didn't expect that. That at the end of the day, she would be married to Boaz, the wealthiest man in the land. And that she would own the field that she's gleaning in. How could she ever have thought that when she stepped into a land that she'd never known before? Hear me. Ruth had never known the land of Israel. She'd never known it before. She was living in Moab. Malon came to Moab and married her in Moab. She went back with Naomi and she had an inheritance that she had no ties to except for. <laughs> wow. How many know Ruth is a picture of us? Amen. You know, Ruth, not only did she own that field, she married Boaz, and she became the lineage through which Jesus Christ would come through. When she became Boaz's wife, Boaz and Ruth produced Obed. Obed produced Jesse. And Jesse produced David. And we know that Jesus came through the bloodline of King David. Come on, somebody. When Ruth was... When, when Ruth came to the field, she had no expectation of being in the bloodline of the king.
But when it was all said and done, God's plan, I want to tell you this morning, God's plan is bigger than your plan. God's thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. God's inheritance is bigger than your own expectation of what he could ever do in your life. He wants to give you the field. Come on. He wants to put you in the bloodline of the king. He wants to make you an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, the righteous. He wants to restore you totally and completely and give you what he always purposed for you to have. Man, that's good preaching. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Begin to cry out to Him. Right now, you've stepped into this field this morning. Amen. You've come here. You, you, they just told you to come and glean in this field. You didn't know what you were going to get. You didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what was going to happen. But you begin to feel something on the inside of you. A pulling of God. That Boaz began to beckon to you. Jesus has begun to beckon unto you. And pull you to himself. The owner of the field wants to come close to you. He wants to give you what you have always been purposed to have. Your purpose for stepping in this church this morning is greater than just your deliverance. It's greater than just your provision. It's eternal life with the Lord. You might be in this building today. I, I don't know where you're at. watching online. You've come here this morning. You, you don't know where to go from here. Amen. If you're in this building today, you, you, maybe you don't even know why you came this morning. You don't even really know the Lord. Amen. You just come because you have some needs that you need met. And God wants to meet your needs. But His plan is greater than just meeting your needs. Amen. His plan is eternal. Amen. He wants to go to work on that today. Amen. If you have needs in your life that have brought you to the house of God today, I don't care if you've been saved for, for years, for decades, I want you to make your way to this altar today because, because Jesus is here and this is his field. Come on. He has purchased the field for us to get what we need. Amen. If you have a, a need in your life and God has brought you to the house of God today, you need something to him for him. You have something for him to do in your world. I want you to make your way to this altar today. If you're here today and you've stepped in this field for the first time and you don't even really know why you've come, I want you to run down to this altar altar today. If you feel the beckoning of the Lord, you feel him pulling on you. You feel hope rising up. You feel a greater purpose. You feel a, a return unto the Lord. I want you to run unto him today and begin to call upon his name right now. Begin to pray unto God. Come on, come with your hands lifted in total surrender to the Lord and say, God, I'm yours today. I'm yours today in Jesus name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.